Sponsored by JMR Rentals. JMRNY.com Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend. I'm Jason Godby and today on the program we are taking a look back at the summer of 2023 and giving you our picks for the best films of the summer. And to help me do that, joining me now via Zoom are No Rest for the Weekend's own Mary Beth Thewison and our man in Hollywood and the man behind ActuallyPaid.com, Mr. William Hammond. Welcome, guys. Hi, Jason. Nice to be here. Hey, uh, it's great to do this again. Uh, I wish we could do this more often, uh, but, you know, schedules being what they are. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of movies to get through. So I'm just going to kind of go around the table, and I'll preface this by saying we have not discussed which movies we picked. So this is going to be a surprise, and I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be some overlap among the films. All right, so Mary Beth, what is your first film? We're starting right at the top. My favorite film of the summer so far, I have to say, Barbie. Who knew? I wasn't expecting to like this movie at all, but I totally loved it. <laughs> and why? Because it's just fun. It's the funnest movie I've seen for a long time, and it's perfect for summer. And it has a great message, but mostly it's just fun. And it's really funny to all kinds of jokes, all kinds of Easter eggs, all kinds of cameos. Uh, it's just fun from beginning to end. The clothes are fabulous. The sets are fabulous. Um, everything about it is fabulous. What was it about it that kind of put it over the edge for you? A couple of really good performances. First of all, um, uh, Margot Robbie as, as stereotypical Barbie. Uh, she plays it just right with such sincerity. And yet, it's, it's so absurd. Um, and, and later on in the film, when she starts to um, learn about herself and about the real world, um, she's totally convincing. I love the moment when she sits down to an elderly woman at a bus stop and she takes a look at her. She's never seen anyone who's old before. And she looks at her and she says so sincerely, you're beautiful. And it, it just is such a touching moment to me. Uh, the older woman says, I know, <laughs> which is a great answer. She's played by Oscar, an Oscar winning costume designer, by the way. Um, and, and so you've got, um, you've got the combination of the fun stuff, plus a little bit of the feels too. And like I said, a great message about how equality is best for everyone. Very cool. I, uh, that woman I think is um, Anne Roth. Thank you. I didn't have her name. <laughs> who's, uh, yeah, who's, you know, look her, IMDb, her kids. She's, she's, uh, she's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's 91 years old and she's got a closet full of Oscars. Going to you next, uh, what's on your list? My top for the summer, my top for the year so far, is the other half of this equation, Oppenheimer. Not, nothing nothing against Barbie. I absolutely loved it, especially Kate McKinnon as, as Weird Barbie in the soundtrack. Really good stuff there. Uh, lot, lots of fun. But Oppenheimer, like, is the first true best picture contender I've seen so far this year. Nolan's cinematic eye has never been better. Killian Murphy's performance 
is nomination worthy, as is Robert Downey Jr. Like uh, as Louis Strauss, I'm looking forward to 10 years down the road, like having debates between this Chaplin and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as his best role. Very strong supporting cast, Emily Blunt, Josh Hartnett, Casey Affleck, Rami Malek. And uh, my, my my man, Matt Damon here. And of course, Florence Pugh making me swoon more than I should for a married man in his 30s. But I'm a single guy in my 40s, so it's okay. The plot structure is really strong. And this is what Nolan, that this is this is his stock and trade of just kind of messing with timelines. The way he basically splits the story up into two parts, one being in color for everything leading up to the bomb, and then one in black and white for everything that happens after it. It's a really great visual metaphor of the promise of scientific discovery and study and exploration, and then the black and white, very binary consequences once the trigger is pulled. It's absolutely masterful. There's not a single element that rings false. I I didn't even get the least bit bored with this being a three-hour movie. I mean, I guess, mild spoiler, they detonate the, the bomb two hours in. I'm thinking, what are they going to do for the last hour of this? And they filled it brilliantly. Not once did it drag. So my, my question is, though, was Barbie also on your list? Just shy of it. Uh, like, it's like it's like seventh or eighth uh, for the summer for me. And not, not quite top five, but still just so much fun. For me, um, I... It's it's hard for me to say which one is the best, and these are in no particular order. We never we don't do countdowns and grades and things like that really on this show. I'd probably say that uh, Across the Spider Verse was my top. I saw that in the theater. I did not see the previous film in the theater, so I really wanted to see this one in the theater, and it did not disappoint. It is a lot of movie. It picks up right where the first chapter left off, and we continue the story of Miles Morales. A lot of it is Gwen Stacy's film, and she gets a lot of character development. We also get a lot of weird and wonderful worlds of Spider-Man. My only criticism would be that at times it was a bit overwhelming. Like, at times I was like, uh, like, I couldn't, I didn't write a review for it because I feel like I need to see it at least two or three times before I can really uh, write anything about it. And I just didn't get a chance to go back to the theater. It's difficult to grade because it's not the end of, we don't get the end of the story yet. It ends on a dot, dot, dot. So you, it's hard to say the because it doesn't feel like a complete movie yet because uh, it ends on a cliffhanger. But other than that, I thought it was amazing. All right, going back to Mary Beth, what is your next, uh, what's your next movie? Well, oddly enough, <laughs> um, Spider-Man was on my list. And I agree with your assessment. They threw everything in there they possibly could. It's a little too much, a little too long. Oppenheimer was also on my list. Uh, and I agree with your assessment too, that it's about a scientist. How do you make a scientist interesting? Well, they don't bother talking about the science that much, <laughs> but it was absorbing the entire time, surprisingly. Yes, absolutely. My next movie that neither of you have mentioned yet is Asteroid City, which is the Wes Anderson movie. Now, he's, a, he's an acquired taste, I admit, but if you like Wes Anderson, you'll love this movie. I think this was much better than his, his last one. And he, but he uses the device again of a story within a story within a story. Um, it was a little confusing, I know, to some people in the audience that I saw it with. But if you manage to keep it straight, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and really, you have to look beneath all of the very square <laughs> camera shots and everything to realize that this is really a movie about grief. 
Um, the main character, Jason Schwartzman's character, his wife has just died. And although he's not overt in his grief, uh, the grief is there. The grief is there with his children, <laughs> who he hasn't told yet. Um, the grief is there in other characters for other things. And so it, it makes a, a nice counterpoint to all of the bright colors and everything. It's a movie that you have to think about a little bit, but it's also fun. It has funny moments and fun moments and uh, just uh, totally absorbing. I loved it. And cameos by everybody. <laughs> now, did you see French Dispatch? Yes. The one, I thought that felt that movie felt like he was sort of parodying himself a little yes. bit. It went almost a little bit too far. And that's why I liked this one better. This one harkens back in feeling a little bit more to some of the earlier ones. Um, so while he used some of the same device of, you know, like he did in the French Dispatch, of the story within the story within the story type thing, um, it, it was more appealing, much more appealing. Yeah, he's always got that, like, it's goofy and funny, but then there's that melancholy, like, undertone in there. All right, so, uh, Bill, did you have French, uh, did you have uh, Asteroid, Asteroid City, City on your list? Uh, not quite. I, I I did see it. I did like it, uh, especially uh, Steve Carell. And I got a little alien keychain at the movie theater for it. <laughs> I, I I definitely really like the way um, I can I compare this a little bit to uh, Lady in the Water in that this like this is Wes Anderson acknowledging his critics, but he's doing it in a much more fun and understanding way, where, whereas M. Night Shyamalan was doing it completely cynically. Uh, next for me, uh, basically my, in essence, hidden gem movie for the summer, Theater Camp. Absolute <laughs> joy, especially for someone like me who was a theater nerd in high school. This is hopefully just going to be your, you know, little movie that could just absolute delight. Based on a short film that, that Molly Gordon and uh, Nick Lieberman, Ben Platt, all these, you know, well-known theater film comedy people have done, you know, they, they, they did the short uh, a few years ago. They adapted it into a feature length. Really stellar cast of both adults and children kind of parody, parodying the manic nature of theater as an art form and as a hobby. But it's also this kind of fun story about, you know, these are kids. This, this is the one opportunity they have to basically own the spotlight and be in the majority as their own selves for once, rather than, you know, potentially being ostracized or left in the corner. And they make the most of it. Uh, as one of the characters says, you know, these are theater kids, they turn cardboard into gold. And the way this mockumentary style in the best traditions of, of Christopher Guest does is basically like show over the course of four weeks in almost slapstick funny fashion, how these kids can pull it all together, how the adults are more childish than the children. Absolutely just everything, everything a kid like me who was, you know, part of this group would have wanted. And, and again, absolutely fun cast. Uh, like I said, Molly Gordon, Ben Platt, uh, Patty Harrison. She, she's absolutely uh, great. Amy Sedaris has a has a fun small role. Alan Kim from Minari. He was he was the littlest one in Minari. He's in this movie as an aspiring agent. Like so, he spends the whole camp experience on the phone trying to book gigs for the other campers. It's just so twisted. I love it, Mary Beth. That's got to be on your list too, right? I also loved theater camp, 
And uh, <laughs> I'm a, I hope it finds an, an audience because I'm afraid that the audience may be a little limited <laughs> due to the nature of all the in-jokes in the movie, but it is great fun. And I have to admit, brought a tear to my eye at the end, no tear stick needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, I'm, I'm just gonna say the song, how did it work? It worked. How did it work? Because <laughs> the I don't lyrics know how, were terrible. The lyrics were terrible. It was so awful, but it was perfect. <laughs> I have not seen it. Uh, Mary Beth reviewed it for us, and I was like, oh, I got to see this movie. Because I love, like, Waiting for Guffman, and there's, there's a lot of theatrical movies that, you know, it's in good company with. It's um, like Best in Show for Kids. Yeah, nice. I think it depends on when your definition of summer begins but for me it begins whenever disney tells me it's summer so i'm gonna go with <laughs> guardians of the galaxy volume three which kicked off in may guardians of the galaxy volume three was i didn't expect it i had heard a lot about it i i had seen a couple of reviews finally saw it and i thought wow this first of all it's a lot of movie i think it was a really fitting ending to the trilogy and it really did it like as a chapter of their story, of these misfit superhero story, I thought it ended on a great note. All the stuff, one of the things I thought was the most amazing thing about it, a lot of it concerns the, the Rocket character, and it's you see a lot of his backstory, how he was made, his tragic beginning. It's very sad, and if, and if you're, you know, I wouldn't show a kid this movie. Like, if you have a kid who, especially if they love animals, there's a lot of, like, animal cruelty and stuff in it. And it's very emotional. And the thing I, I kept having to tell myself was, it's a CGI character. Like, it's 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 a CGI character. They're getting all of this emotion out of uh, a computer-generated image. I, I, I was just blown away by that. But James Gunn did it great. It's, ni it's nice for him to leave. On a, on a high note, uh, leaving uh, Marvel, going out to DC. We'll see what he does there. But I, I thought it was great. I, I thought it was really solid. And I haven't really been all that crazy about what the MCU has been offering. And this was a, a high point for it. We're back to Mary Beth. What's next on your list? I guess we have to include Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. <laughs> it's a ludicrous plot. <laughs> Let's just say that. But the action sequences... The stunts, the car chase, which isn't only a great car chase, <clears throat> but is also humorous. You know, I mean, it's a summer popcorn movie. What can you say? Haley Atwell is a nice addition. She does a good job. Like I said, the plot is kind of ludicrous. It's a, it's an AI creature almost. It's a program which has become so smart that it's become self-aware and is starting to take over programs of everything in the world and will control the world. And the only thing that can stop it is a physical key. Now, why a physical key would be needed to stop what's essentially a computer program, I don't know. But that's the MacGuffin. That's what sets them all off chasing all over the world to find the key. So uh, whatever. But anyway, the stunts are great. <laughs> you know, when I saw that the plot was like a rogue AI, I was like, oh, this is obviously written by a Writers Guild writer. <laughs> Uh, Bill, was that was uh, Mission Impossible on your list? So, quick recap: Yeah, Cross the Spider Verse, loved it. Probably could probably could have squeezed the entire plot into one movie if if, if you trimmed it a bit better. Uh, but otherwise, lots of fun. Mission Impossible. Yeah, the 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 inciting events of the plot are kind of absurd. But yes, the the metaphor of an AI basically taking over stuff like we're living that right now. It's like. There, the, the, two of the of the four major Hollywood guilds are on strike because 
AMPTP wants to start inserting AI into the creative process and taking away the human element. Like that's the that's the whole point of the story. Is like the humanity can't be predicted. You can form patterns. You can you can make guesses, but it can't be ironclad. And Isai Morales is a really fun, really sinister uh, human avatar for the AI for, for the uh, the entity as they as they call it. And uh, as, as far as uh, Guardians, doesn't quite make my list only because I started my summer at June. <laughs> but but yes, one of the best films of the year for me, hands down. Uh, so moving on, this has not been a good year for horror films. It really hasn't. Um, a lot of franchise sequels, you know, the Pope's Exorcist for some ungodly reason, and most of the films making waves are like the parodies, your Cocaine Bear, Megan, The Blackening, also. but then we have Talk to Me, a 24 horror movie from uh, from Australia, directed by uh, twin brothers Danny and Michael Philippou, they, they, they run a YouTube channel uh, basically about horror and comedy, and this is one of the more disturbing horror films I've seen in recent memory. Like, like it's up there with Get Out as far as, like, the actual quality of the writing and the idea of using an inherently flimsy horror device to tell a much more important story. It's like, it's like Get Out used this idea of, you know, brain transplants, basically, to tell a story about Black Erasure. Talk to me uses literally a mummified hand that you play with like a Ouija board, you know, and talk to ghosts basically as a sheen to talk about mental health and suicide and crippling loneliness. It's amazing what this young cast of no names, like, like literally Miranda Otto from Lord of the Rings plays one of the characters' mothers, and she's the only recognizable name in that cast. How they basically treat this ability to speak to the dead as a designer drug. Elements of peer pressure and coping mechanisms, it all flows together so well. And then just for good measure, because you're talking a budget of about $4 million here, the Philippu brothers use some really strong makeup, practical effects, and and, and uh, camera techniques to really shock you with the scares when they come. Was, uh, the opening sequence alone as this brilliant one take is it sets the tone for everything because it shows off their filmmaking skills and finds a way to just drop your jaw when it finally hits its its crescendo. Everything in the movie is meant to live up to that, and it does. I saw a couple more movies in the theater, um, and I saw I saw The Flash. That is a whole show in and of itself. It, it's very it's an interesting review. It's not I definitely don't think it's one of the best of the summer, but it is interesting. Uh, and then we saw The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which uh, Danny Mendez and I reviewed right at the theater. That'll be on the website if you want to check that out. But I'm going to pull out, because um, uh, I don't get to the movie, I don't get out as much as you guys. So I'm going to pull out my uh, series list and recommend two uh, series. Uh, one is uh, Only Murders in the Building, which uh, just came out with season three. I've only seen the first couple of episodes. Paul Rudd is in it, and he's amazing. That also has to deal with theater, so if you're a theater nerd, you'll probably dig it uh, because it does uh, it deals with Broadway. And then the other one is The Bear. Season two was some of the best acting and writing I've seen in in serial content. Like it was, it was so 
well-written, so tied together, great characters, great character development continues from the first season into the second. It's exciting. To me, it makes uh, working in a kitchen more like, more stressful than an operating room. And the character development was amazing. And wonderful, wonderful actors doing really great work, if if that's your thing. Definitely, they're both on it, uh, both Only Murders and The Bear are streaming on Hulu. Were there any runners-up that you guys wanted to throw out there before we, we have to go? I can, I can say my runner-up was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. There were some really wonderful things about that movie, but there was such an air of sadness pervading the whole thing that it just made it, oh, uh, do we need to see Indy this old? Do we, we need to remember, be reminded that we're all aging? I don't think so. Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, was fine. Um, as his goddaughter, who uh, sets off the whole thing. But then a lot of it was um, what they've done before, like going through the tunnels and thousands of insects coming out and snakes, except they're eels this time. Just seemed a lot of things were kind of the greatest hits of Indiana Jones. And I thought, well, why didn't they do something new and different? That would have been nice. So it was nice seeing Indy again, but, you know, we actually um reported on that when we when i heard it was coming out i i spoke about it on the and i was like is anybody excited for like old man indie yeah you know because we you know, really need a, a, a for a, what is this the fifth outing now yeah did yeah. we really need it no i think most of us forgot about the fourth one um i i haven't even had the heart to see the fourth one to me it's like it, the series ended with like last crusade that movie's great. No need to do anymore. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Harrison Ford's 80 and he looks great and he's still got it. But I actually, I couldn't, I kind of couldn't bring myself to see that movie. Yes. Sad is a good word to describe it, but but it, it's far from, it's only runner up to the entire 2023 feel for me. Um, <laughs> um, I, I mean, the the dialogue between between him and Phoebe Waller Bridge, if they didn't establish that she was his goddaughter, it would be love interest dialogue. And that's just creepy. Uh, though Matt's, Matt Mickelson was fun as the villain for, uh, for, for a little bit, but um, uh, two honorable mentions for me. One, Joyride. Stephanie Hsu and Sherry Cola are hilarious. There's a lot of good surprising laughs in there. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem that just that, that, that came out. Uh, Seth Rogen taking the reins on this one. And the animation is superb. This is like layered sketch approach to it and everything's kind of off model which kind of fits the theme of like, we're trying to get, we want to be accepted for who we are, but all the, everybody's drawn in in an, in an awkward way that they're just like, no one's quote unquote normal in essence. And, you know, growing up with, with this franchise, this is honestly the first time where I'm watching it. And it's like, these are actual teenagers. It's like, there's a huge emphasis on these four characters as teens rather than ninjas who happen to be teens. Like, like, if you watch the old cartoons and all the movies, they, they feel like they're in their mid-20s. These guys actually feel like they're 13, 14, 15 years old. And the voice work is absolutely tremendous in getting that, that across. You know, they have these weird desires, like, you know, they want to get a girlfriend. They want to go to concerts. They, you know, they, they want to work on a school newspaper. They want to just go to school. Like, there's an actual acknowledgement of their youth in this. And I, and I found that really refreshing. Do you think it's a departure from what the movies have been or does it kind of continue on some tradition? Not, not necessarily a departure, just a mild tonal shift as far as like, 
a bit more character driven as it were um and i i think a big part of that is not having the shredder be the villain for, for this uh instead they they make up superfly which is kind of like a combination of like baxter stockman's character and an actual fly and ice cube does the voice really well um so it's still the spirit of everything the ninja turtles have done for the past you know almost 40 years but again it's it's, it's just particular attention is paid to how these are you know, adolescents with hormones developing and trying to figure out their place in the world rather than just being these, you know, awesome ass kickers who use surfer dialogue. So uh, again, very much in the spirit of everything, like like Rogan's affection for the franchise is worn clearly on his sleeve, um, but just a little bit more of a focus on, you know, what's behind the characters while we're doing this insane level of humor and and stunt work via animation so i i i was pleasantly surprised like spider-verse i thought the um the animation looked fantastic you know for the film i i would definitely see it i don't know for me if it's a go out to the theater movie and see it it's probably a you know stream it for me i saw it in 3d and and the, the layered the layered approach to the animation works really well in 3d the the only the only one thing that was kind of like just in a weird meta way just didn't work for me it, it's still kind of fun but but it just wasn't it was kind of just like just an outside moment is they, they do flashbacks of when the turtles are kids and when they're like that they look like the kids from south park and raf is definitely the cartman of the group <laughs> so it's like, but uh but but apart from that yeah that um I'm not, I'm not sure about turning splinter into a sub into basically you know a tired dad but it, it, you know to each their own you know we got more movie reviews mary beth has been kicking out of uh, reviews for us on the on the uh, website, no rest of the weekend podcast.com. Uh, and uh, Bill, we can find your reviews on actuallypaid.com. Mary Beth, thanks so much. Um, we hope to have you back. Hopefully, you'll have some more reviews. We got stuff coming up in the fall. Maybe we'll do an episode about what we're looking forward to. All right, guys, thanks so much. Yep. Thanks, Jason. And that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more of our content, including more movie reviews, visit our website, norestfortheweekendpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube, youtube.com slash getbehindtherabbit. I'd like to thank Mary Beth Thewson and Bill Hammond for joining me. And a big thanks to our sponsor, JMR Rentals, for Behind the Rabbit Productions. I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.